We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. I haven't met you. My name's Chris. Thanks for joining us. I know we have some uh, extended family also joining us for baptisms afterward, which we're super excited about. And happy Easter to everybody on Zoom. This is a, a great day to celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus, our King, right? And every Sunday is actually a little mini Easter, in a sense. Every Sunday we get together, we celebrate our risen Savior. But once a year, I wear a tie while we do it. So that's Easter for you. Uh, and we get to celebrate new life through baptisms and all that stuff. So super excited, looking forward to it. Do me a favor real quick. Turn to somebody next to you. I know this is like the worst church thing to do. Uh, everyone hates it. But turn to someone next to you. Just tell them one thing you hope happens today. It could be anything. One thing you hope happens today. I hope someone brought donuts to the potluck. I hope Chris has a really short sermon today. Whatever it is, one thing you hope happens today. Any good ones? Anyone want to share what someone else said to them? All right. Uh, How many of you hoped that it would cool down a little bit? Right? It's so hot. We were going to do this service outside originally. It just kept getting higher and higher. Every day I would look at that app. It was like, okay, now it's going to be 90. Ooh, with some shade, maybe we can make that work. No, now it's going to be 93, 95, and now it's 100 degrees today, you guys. Insane. Uh, So some more of you may want to get dunked in the water when we're done here, and that's that's okay too. So, hey, Easter is all about hope, all about things that you hope for, right? It's all about the hopes that we have. And some of the things you just shared about what you have a hope in might have sounded something like, yeah, I hope there's donuts, right? Or I hope it gets cooler. Uh, But that's kind of a different hope than what the Bible talks about, the biblical hope that we're looking at this morning. And so a lot of times we in our culture and our society, we use this word hope synonymously the same as this word wish, right? Like, man, I really hope that our team gets it together this season, right? And I, I really hope that I can just get this job that I applied for. Like, and there's no substance to that hope. It's just that's something I want to happen, right? And so it's like making a wish. I, I, I wish that this would happen. And every time I, I talk about wishes, I always think about that Skilo song. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I... Anyway, you, those of you who aren't in your 30s and 40s have no clue what I'm talking about. But the rest of you are going to have that stuck in your head all day long now, right? Fun fact, I used to think, he says, I wish I was a baller. And I used to think it said, I wish I was balder. And I was like, why? I don't wish that on anybody. And here we are, right? So, but that's that's not the kind of hope that the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about a hope that is an assurance That means it's a confident hope because you've seen a promise come true already in the past. You know that it's going to come even more in fullness later in the future. That's the kind of hope that the Bible talks about. And that's the kind of hope that we build our faith on as Christians, as people following after Jesus. And and for those of you who like don't have your hope in that, it sounds really weird. Let's just be honest. It sounds a little bit insane to say that your whole hope in life 
is in this guy who once lived a pretty good life, died, and then came back to life, right? And sure, when you put it that way, it does sound insane. Uh, So I would argue, one, there's a better way to put it. But two, I also would argue that there's a whole lot more insane things to put your hope in out there. That, in fact, anything else that in the history of humanity, humans have put their hope in is probably just as insane or maybe even more so. So let's just run through a few examples, okay? Uh, some, Some things that we might hope for. Like maybe you might place your hope in this country being made right by getting the right political party in power, right? And maybe when that political party gets in power for you, you're like, yes, here we go. But four more years, you guys, what's gonna happen, right? It makes, that always makes me think of this book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And in that he talks about, he uses this word meaningless a lot. It's just meaningless. And one of those things he's talking about, I could do all these good works. I could do all this work and build up all this stuff for myself. But then what's gonna happen? I'm gonna die and it gets given to someone else who may not be as wise or as good as I was. And that's politics, right? Like no matter who you put your hope in politically, they may do all these things that you think is great for a country. And guess what? Four years later, it doesn't matter, right? Or maybe you realize like when that person or that party you wanted in power, when they're actually in that office, they don't come through on half the things they promised. There's that reality. Or maybe you put your hope in something completely different, right? Maybe you put your hope in another person, like a relationship. Like if I can just get into this relationship and if this person would just love me the way I love them, I'll finally feel loved. And you get into that relationship and you realize like, oh man, you're a mess like I am, right? And we put our hopes in these things and then they end up failing us. It's funny too, because a lot of times the things we put our hope in actually come out of the very same problem that we're hoping against. For an example, let's take for an example, someone who might be an environmentalist, right? Which as followers of Jesus, as people who believe that this is the true story of the whole world, we should care about the environment. It's God's good creation that he made, that he loves, that he cares for, that he called humans to partner with him to care for as well. But when that's our whole hope is the environment and then we put our hope in recycle, reduce, reuse, like lessen your carbon footprint, right? If, who, who's the hope in in that point? Humans. But who got us into the mess of pollution and limited resources and all that? Like humans, right? And as much as we put our hope in, like maybe if we just educate people and make them more aware and they start doing these things, then things will go better for the next generation. But it seems to be getting worse, doesn't it? You could take this with any other example that we could run this through, and you'll find ultimately what we typically do as humans is we put the hope in ourselves to fix the problem that we caused. Or we find a solution to that problem, and what it does is it creates a whole new mess of problems. Like we need to get around faster. So we got cars. Now we got pollution. Now we got to pay for gas. Or, you know, let's say social media. Let's connect people. We're so disconnected because of social media, more so than ever. It was a a botanist trying to find a way to help plants grow faster and stronger and healthier who somehow inadvertently created Agent Orange for chemical warfare. 
All of these things that humans try to put our hand to to create a solution to our problem, and we put our hope in it, like maybe this vaccine is our hope, right? And then it ends up causing other problems. That's not a non-vaxxer political statement. I'm sorry, I realized that when it came out. I have nothing against you getting a COVID vaccine. What I'm saying is this. There are good things in this world that humans do because we're made in the image of a good God. But when we put our ultimate hope in humans being the solution to everything, we're going to be let down big time. And so what we believe that this book is, is a story that helps us get a glimpse into the true story of the entire world from creation, when God spoke and all things came into existence, to new creation, when he will renew all things that these humans he called to partner with him messed up. We rebelled against him. We, we, we use this God-given ability to affect this earth and affect one another in our own selfish manner, rebelling against the one who made it, and it has caused nothing but chaos and destruction. And yet, the whole story is about this God saying, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on my creation. I'm not giving up on my plan. And he is faithful, and he is able to do it even when we aren't. And so what Aaron read for us this morning is this reminder like, hey, we now have a hope. And Peter wrote a living hope that can sustain us when all other things pass away, when all other things in this world fail us. We have a living hope that will never die, that will never go away, that will never fade. And that hope is not in just some man who came one day and lived a pretty good life and died and rose again. But it's the story that this God who created all things, who called us to partner with him when we failed and rebelled against him, that this very same God stepped down into that brokenness, stepped down into that mess, took on the form of humanity, became the full partnership between God and human that was supposed to be there at the beginning and did it perfectly. That God taking on flesh is this Jesus who walked this earth. And not only did he live a life where he just didn't make any mistakes, he didn't lie, he didn't cheat, he didn't steal, right? But he lived a life where he selflessly served others, where he gave himself up to serve other people, where he went to the least of these, the people that nobody else wanted to be around or wanted anything to do with. They didn't feel like they had deserved any favor at all. And Jesus moved toward every single one of them. And he sat down and he had meals with them and he shared stories with them and he listened to their life. And then he offered them a hope. He offered them a hope and he said, I want you to go walk in this hope, which means go and sin no more. Turn away from putting your hopes in these false things. Put your hope in me, follow me. And even then, even after he did miraculous things, he fed people who were hungry. He gave sight to the blind. He even raised other people back from the grave who had died. He was still hated. He was mocked. He was killed. And this is what we gathered on Friday to discuss, to reflect on, to remember, to weep over. That God himself coming in the form of man, taking our place, being that full, beautiful partnership between God and humanity that we were supposed to step into and we failed at, doing it all perfectly, then took on the penalty of us rebelling. 
He was the only one to do it right, and yet he went to a torturous, murderous death on the cross. So we left this place on Friday feeling the weight of that. Just like Jesus' disciples, the people who followed him for three years, day in and day out, his mom, like all these people who knew him, there that Friday, how they must have felt. I was, I was just starting to believe that maybe this guy was who he said he was. Now he's dead. Just like everything else I've hoped in, it fades, it fails, it passes away. And Saturday was a dark day and a quiet day. With so much chaos and restlessness going on inside of their souls, inside their hearts and their minds. How could this be? And then Sunday comes. Sunday is here. Sunday morning, a couple women who loved Jesus went to his tomb, went to his graveside to go and just offer some, something for his body to help him to, his body to rest. They go there, and there's this giant stone that nobody could have moved that was rolled downhill in front of the cave, and it's moved now. And the tomb was empty. And they're freaking out. Who, what grave robbers came and took this body? This is crazy. And they're looking around, and then suddenly these strange figures appear, and they go, hey, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus, the body that was here. You're not going to find him there. That place is for dead people. Jesus is no longer dead. He's no longer in the tomb. They're like, what in the world is going on? They run out. They start telling everybody. Nobody believes him until Jesus himself starts appearing to all of these disciples. He starts showing himself to his friends and his followers, to his family. He sits down and even eats with some of them. He's like, hey, you don't believe this is me? Touch the holes where they, where they pierced me with spikes. Touch it. This is me. That very same body that was laid in the tomb is now walking around. Why? Because the very breath of God that brought him to this earth in the first place the Spirit filled those lungs again, revived him, and he walked out of the tomb. And this is why Peter said in 1 Peter 1, which Aaron read for us, this is why he said, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. That's in verse 3. New birth. That's a weird phrase, right? You know, Jesus freaked some people out when he said that before too. He told this guy once, hey, you know what you need? You need to be born again. And the dude's like, what? Hold on, like, you want me to climb back into the womb? And then like, like literally, like this is how he's processing it. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. I don't know what you're talking about. People said you were like a really good teacher. You're not making any sense, bro. He's like, no, no, you, you were born once of a woman, Yes but you need to be born again of the Spirit. And this is what Jesus is talking about. The very first man that God created, that he formed out of the earth itself. Remember, we talked about that when we were in Genesis 1. He actually, the, it says that the water poured down first on the earth, and then what does he have? He's got like clay, right? So he's, he's making a Play-Doh dude, and he forms this man out of dirt and water using this clay, and it's just a lump of dirt until God breathes his own breath, his very Spirit, into that lump of dirt. And then 
filling those lungs, animating this thing, bringing it to life, giving it a personality, giving him a name, giving him a purpose, calling him to partner with him. That first human was born of the spirit of God. That first human also rebelled against the spirit of God. And as our representative then, every other human born between that man and the first woman was born into what? A broken, dark, messed up world. Born into our own broken, selfish desires. And Jesus is saying, listen, yes, you've been born to this death, but you need to be born again. You need a true birth of the spirit of God filling your lungs and animating your life. And you will never see death when that happens. That that new birth, there's a, there's a death that comes when you're born of a woman. When you come out of the womb, you will eventually die. But when you are filled with the spirit of God, the one who gives life, who spoke it all into existence in the very beginning of all things, yes, this body may die one day. You may go into the grave, into the tomb one day, just like Jesus did. But though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will lead you out of it to life on the other side. You will follow Jesus into the tomb and then you will follow him out of it into life forever. And that's exactly what we're gonna reflect on and celebrate and see a picture of when we do these baptisms in a few moments. That as they go under the water, that is symbolizing following Jesus into the grave because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of how we messed up against this holy God. And yet coming out of that water to newness of life, Jesus bringing us out of the grave. That's good news. And this is the hope that we have. And Peter could write about this hope being a confident hope and assurance because he saw, he saw this Jesus walking around. And he, they, the apostles, they write this elsewhere. They say, hey, and in fact, it continues in this chapter. Hey, blessed are you guys who believe this without seeing. We've seen Jesus. And you're, just, you're taking our word for it. How much more will God honor that faith? That's the kind of faith that we're called into. You have a new birth if you're in Jesus, a new birth which gives you a living hope, not a hope that will fail like anything else we talked about earlier, not, not a hope that will eventually pass away, but a living hope because Jesus himself is our hope who lives forever. And so he says that. He says a new birth into a living hope, and he says, why? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's everything. Too many times I think we stop at Friday. We stop at Jesus going into the tomb, and we say, the good news, the gospel, the Christian faith, what we believe, this weird thing, is that because Jesus died for my sins, now I'm scot-free. Now I can, like, I did all these things, and I still mess up all the time, but yet... You know, Jesus died for me, so I'm good. And listen, that's true. Please don't hear I'm taken away from that. But don't stop there. Because actually, the hinge point of our faith, like what, what turns this story around is when Jesus comes out of the tomb. It's the resurrection that actually gives you new life that you can walk in now. That the spirit who filled Jesus can fill you and I now. 
that even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of suffering, we can still have a hope and we can still provide hope to the people around us. And that is why we are always encouraging one another that we are bringing good news to the world around us. This is not just for us. Being filled with this hope, what do we do? We, we take it to the world around us. And that's what Jesus did. He, he took this to the world. And when he rose again, he appeared to his disciples, his followers again. He said to them, I want you now. I want you now to go out. What does he do? He breathes on them. Spirit of God, I want you to go out. I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach them everything that I've ever taught you. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That they too would be immersed in this newness of life. They would be immersed in this living hope. They would be immersed in the resurrection. Instead of putting their hopes and dreams and wishes into all these things that might be good for a moment but end up failing, that they would have a living hope that lasts forever. So let me just finish reading this once again for us. He says, this living hope because of Jesus through the resurrection, verse four, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. It is not going to fail you. Verse five, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And he says this, verse six, you rejoice in this. Another translation of this is less of a, like a statement like, oh yeah, I see that you rejoice in this. It's more of a command. You need to rejoice in this. You rejoice in this, verse six, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials. Even though right now things are hard, even though right now you are suffering, even if right now you are experiencing loss and pain and hurt and hardship, and we know we, we don't make light of these things. Those are realities that we live in in this broken world. But listen, that is for a time and what is unfading what is unfailing, what will never be taken from you is the hope that you can have in the living Jesus. The breath of God that fills our lungs, that ensures that even if we die, we get full life again one day with Jesus. That will never be taken from you if you put your hope in him. If you're putting your hope in anything else right now, and this goes for those who, who claim to be followers of Jesus and those who don't, let me just encourage you, if you are putting your hope in anything else right now, I think you've seen, I think we've all lived long enough, even the littles here, we've seen that those things fail us, don't we? Let me just invite you to put your hope in one who will not fail you. And you're gonna blow it and you're gonna, you're gonna turn and look at other things sometimes and you're gonna think, well, maybe there's something better. Maybe there's nothing to this, right? There's gonna be the, those struggles that happen with us. But, we're inviting you not just to say a prayer and go, okay, I'm good. I'm off scot-free, right? We're inviting you into a community of people who are constantly calling each other into this good news of hope. We're reminding one another. We're looking to the scriptures and remembering the true story that we live in. We're looking to the risen Jesus and allowing his spirit to transform us. And that will allow us to get through this season of trials and of suffering. 
And you may say, Chris, I, I've only known suffering my whole life. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. And I say, that sucks. But let me also say this. In the great span of eternity, what Peter said is true. Your 80, 90 years of life of suffering is though for a time. And we have eternity with a recreated new life with Jesus forever. Free of pain, free of loss, free of suffering, free of death, free of sorrows, free of sadness, free of hurt, free of broken relationships. This is the living hope that we have. And it's not a wish that one day, man, I I really, I hope that happens. I don't know though. No, this is a hope of confidence, an assurance we have based off of the fact that Jesus has already come, that the God who created all things actually came down into our mess once, that he died and he rose again, and that he will one day come back. We know this because he's done it. And this time when he comes back, it'll be in fullness and everything will be made new. That's what Easter's all about. Not just egg hunts, though those are fun. Not just bunnies. I don't even know how they got into the story. But it's also what every day of our life is about. Not just this one day a year. Every day of our life, when you get up out of bed tomorrow morning, and you're like, oh, I got to go to work again. Every day of our life, we have this living hope to hold on to that can carry us through anything. And when you're struggling to hold on to that hope, you come into this family, into this community. Many of you have other brothers and sisters who follow Jesus outside of this room. That's fine. You go to a brother or sister who can point you to truth. You go to this story. You remember the truth. You go into prayer. You ask the Spirit to fill you with the truth. And he is faithful to do it. Even when we are not faithful, he is faithful to finish his work. Amen?